0: I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting Headlines for Thursday. In the NBA, the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks win a game, but they're still under 500. They beat the Lakers. Lakers, by the way, covered without LeBron. Antonio Brown, we're hearing about the fake, presumably, allegedly, COVID card. How is that affecting the Vegas line? We'll tell you. Tonight, Thursday night football, the red-hot New England Patriots. They opened up last week favored by four. They got all the way up to a touchdown. Now they're six and a half, six and a half New England at Atlanta. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas Truth covering all that and more.
1: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio.
0: This is straight out of Vegas,
1: with the voice of Vegas. Your host, R.J. Bell. The, the pregame show America has always wanted I the future. I the future.
0: from the Vegas Strip. Here's RJ Bell. You heard it. I'm RJ live on a Thursday live in Las Vegas. Live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. Thursday night football, and you got Bill Belichick with his full pockets, his bankrolls looking good by reports. We'll talk a little about that, but mostly the game. Almost a touchdown on the road against an Atlanta team that's fighting for a playoff spot. Could this be an overreaction? Perhaps. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their bodies. Now, he is the fan who beats the man, A.J. Hoffman.
1: Thanks, R.J. Great to be here on a Thursday. Of course, we've got Thursday night football. Good matchup with Atlanta and New England. Multiple starting quarterbacks around the league missing practice today again. And Antonio Brown faces vax fraud accusations. <laughs> I, I, that's my pun for the day, vax fraud. What's the Vegas lead, R.J.?
0: Yeah, you know, I always worry about my personal chef. You know, it's talent tales. You can't so. trust them. Yeah, it, it's 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 so. I mean, the nondisclosures don't seem to hold up. I mean, <laughs> but we're going to start as we do when there's a big story around a Thursday game. We're going to start with specifically how good are the Patriots? Because this line speaks to a lot of love in the market for Belichick and and Mac Jones.
1: Patriots now six-and-a-half to seven-point favorites around the league. They've got 47 is the total for this one at Atlanta.
0: Okay, so if you were in – and you don't have to give me all the teams ahead of them, but how many teams would you want a free ticket on? So let's say I was going to buy you a $1,000 futures ticket. And I said pick any team in the AFC – who would be what would the order be let's assume that there was it wasn't about the payoff i would, let's say i was going to give you 10,000 bucks if you pick the winner of the afc right whoever makes the super bowl okay bills are going to go before them bills who else goes before them if you're getting the same payoff which is another way of saying where do you rank the patriots in the afc though i would make the following case it wouldn't be exactly that question Because that question is, how good are the teams now? I'm asking, how good do you expect the teams to be come the end of January? What's your list look like? Bills,
1: Ravens, Chiefs, Titans, Patriots. Holy cow. Say that one more time. Bills, Ravens, Chiefs, Titans, Patriots.
0: (sighs) Okay. Wow, it seems like you put everyone ahead of them you could. Like it, it could, I mean that's the question is like make, make yeah, the I, case You didn't even put the Chargers that I love so much ahead of them. How could you? I couldn't. That's what I'm saying. I mean like no rational sane person could. But like uh, you could have Well, How could you? They beat them handedly and they're hotter than that. I mean like how could you? I couldn't. But the question
1: becomes, do I really w- believe that a rookie quarterback is going to go win a Super Bowl, and th- that's just something that well, doesn't no, that, happen? Well,
0: that's your question. That isn't my question. Well,
1: I, well, I answered your question, and you're astounded well, with my answer. Well,
0: I, I'm trying to understand it. So the Browns, you couldn't really put over them. So, uh, yeah, you put everyone over them. So the first question is, what kind of odds would you put on the Bills versus the Patriots to win the division? Think and the McKenzie, bills are, pull, up, pull up the current numbers on that. I,
1: and I know the Bills have a half-game lead on them right now. I'd say it's probably minus 150, t- minus 200.
0: Minus 200. Okay. So that assumes with a half-game lead, if it's minus 150, is there even teams?
1: That, that may be what the market assumes at this point.
0: Okay. So I guess what I'm not – you're not – real great at guessing the market. So what I would say is tell me what you think the number should be.
1: I think minus minus 200 is probably for maybe minus 250.
0: Okay so minus 200 to 250. Okay Mackenzie, what do we got? minus 475
2: for the bills Oof. Patriots plus 325.
0: Okay so don't I wouldn't start booking right okay. but, <laughs> but, but I guess my question is you love the bills. You said the bill so fast, your head spun when you said. But then you're thinking they're a little like, what is it? Are you afraid to be like in love with the? I mean, I'm confused with that minus 150. Like, I couldn't I'm not imagine in love with anybody in the AFC.
1: I I don't. I'm not in love with anybody in the AFC. I I think that all of these teams have just great flaws, and it's hard for me to marry myself to one of these teams because I I, I don't know that any of them are really all that good.
0: Okay, so then you got to love the Pats, then you know plus 375. To win, just to win the division,
1: I, I don't I, because but, I don't love the idea that a rookie. I, I don't love that the, a rookie quarterback is a guy that I'm putting my eggs in his basket, no matter how good he's looked.
0: I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. Where
1: do you put the Patriots in that in that order? If you had that same free ticket,
0: huh? Well, one thing I can tell you right away is I rank them higher at the end of the year projected than I do right now. And as I've been saying all year, and I think it's borne out so far, is generally Belichick, generally, I mean pretty much every year, he does better late in the year than early in the year. September, since this new CBA, uh, 2011 into 12, it was a situation where he said, we don't have enough time in the offseason to prepare this team. So what we need to do is make September an extended preseason now, what does that mean? That doesn't mean they try to lose games. It doesn't mean they don't try extra hard. What it means is if there's a decision that could benefit you in September, but to a smaller degree than the other decision would benefit you in January, you make the decision to benefit you in January, even though it will cost you in theory now. So the whole Cam Newton-Mac Jones decision was one of those. Obviously, it was fairly close. That's why that decision was made late in the preseason. I don't think Belichick thought that Cam Newton would be the lesser quarterback in September. If he did, he would have You would think he would have made the decision earlier. Like would have because earlier was better, right? It would have gave Cam a chance to go sure. find another job. It would have allowed Mac Jones to have more focus in the you know camp. So in general, I think Belichick waited, uh, made the decision as soon as he felt comfortable making it, which means it was a close decision, which means the the veteran was going to be better early. But if he had started Cam and let's say week five, you know, a lot of speculation was he would let Cam play through Brady because he didn't want Mac Jones to get the Tampa Bay pressure on him, right? And the fact that he said no, 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 but you know, Cam, good luck. Matt, the rookie starting, I, I think it, or in fact, I'm confident it was another example of him saying, I'm looking towards January. And you know what? Imagine how much less developed Mac Jones would be if he hadn't started till Game 6, let's say. And so I think in general, history tells us Belichick's teams, especially since 2011, get better. I also think this year would accentuate that with the rookie quarterback, whatever the learning curve was with Brady, right? N- non-existent, at least the learning curve, Mac Jones has a learning curve and you and I had a dispute, you know, on air about, Hey, they got to take the training wheels off Mac Jones. My thought was when it's time, when they have to, they will, if they think he's ready. Cause you could say, well, they had to in Tampa Bay, but they didn't. But, as soon as they felt like, and I would make the case, and you can tell me if you agree, A.J., and we're straight out of Vegas, I'm R.J. Bell talking to A.J. Hoffman, is you could make the case Mac Jones played his best game last week. Would you agree with that?
1: I don't disagree with that, no. Yeah, he, he played extremely well. He's you getting better and better. We, we talked about this off the air yesterday, and you said, remember, I told you, they're, they'll they take the training wheels off when it's time, and, and they absolutely have.
0: Yes, I agree. So, I think you got to give Belichick and the whole coaching staff, the offensive coaching staff, with McDaniel's especially, a lot of kudos. No, Mac Jones was the fifth quarterback taken on the you know amongst these quarterbacks and uh, in the first round this year, and he is by far the best performer so far. And by no account would you say the Patriots have the best skill position players. No. I mean, so. And last
1: week he was without his starting running back.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, though running backs are fairly interchangeable, at least with this team this year it feels like. But, yeah, no doubt. And so if you don't have that advantage, all you got is coaching. And it's once again Belichick showing why he's Belichick, why he's making uh, a reported – how much was it? Eight – is it 18?
1: 18, I think, yeah. Uh,
0: Let me see here. 18 million? No, yes, 18 million. That's pretty good. (laughs) That's pretty good. So um, I think 18
1: well, weeks in the season, he's getting paid for his bye week. That's how you
0: negotiate. Well, it's, it's a well-deserved amount, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, I think in 50 years – well, I won't be around in 50. But, uh, well, nah, probably not. But in 50 years, they're going to be talking about Belichick still, I think. I mean, I think it's the last we're going to see of him because you just aren't going to see coaches who start when they're like 24 and coach all the way through 70. I mean, you see it now. A lot of these coaches, you know, they get 15 years. They want to retire. And, again, I don't blame them if they got a few money and they don't love it anymore. But Belichick loved it when he was a kid. He loves it now. I wouldn't be surprised if he coaches a 77, 78, you know, health permitting, obviously, yeah. if you have a real problem. Um
1: I think, especially if Mac Jones is what he's looked like so far, if he continues to progress, I think if Mac Jones, you know, were a giant bust, I think Bill Belichick would be less. that well, but likely that's they a they hypothetical.
0: The giant bust part isn't even a possibility anymore. So the question is, does he? Though he could regress, but not to a giant bust. You wouldn't think, right? So now I wouldn't the, think. the question now becomes, uh, if Mac Jones gets better and better, does that increase Belichick's appetite for more years?
1: I would think so. Because did you feel last year when Cam was struggling, did it feel like Bill Belichick was happy or he wanted to be there anymore? If I I didn't do that, I think those are two
0: different questions. A guy like Belichick, if he's unhappy, which he was, he wants to fix it. He wants to redeem himself. He doesn't want to flee. Right. I mean, if it was anything that would be the last thing he'd want for his legacy, which by all accounts, he's cognitive, you know, he's uh, he cares about is is to leave a a dumpster fire. Seems like, you know, Brady wins a title or Super Bowl. He leaves a dumpster fire. That would be I don't think that's even possible. He might not have enjoyed it perhaps as much or he wouldn't have as much. But I think to me, I think Belichick solves problems. And if Mac Jones was a pro—remember, he sat there. Think about this. Like KGB in rounders, but without the Oreos. Let's say a better KGB. <laughs> okay. He stood there and said, okay. He knew how good Cam was. So good that he didn't even fight him to be this—stay as the second string. Right? He could have pushed that and said, we'll put in some—I'm not saying it would have worked, but by no accounts— did he really fight to have Cam stay? So if Mac Jones had been taken at 14 and there was a trade-up at 14 where he could have been easily taken, what would it have taken for the Pats to trade up to 14 once he got Maybe there?
1: a fourth or fifth rounder.
0: Yeah, okay. And Belichick just stayed like KG, you know, alligator blood. Even, <laughs> even though he knew – he had a Cam that he, you know, did Cam really underperform in, in camp? Not really. He probably performed better in camp than he did last year. Yeah. And he was willing to stick with Cam not to get took on a trade. So you think Belichick was scared of the the new quarterback not doing well? He Clearly didn't not. Care if he had a new quarterback, AJ?
1: Uh, what? Well, I stand corrected then.
0: No, no. I'm saying it's amazing. And, uh, it's amazing on trying to
1: get into the mind of Belichick is what I mean.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I guess what I'm saying is the idea that he – because by all accounts, Mike Lombardi, friend of the show, says, you know, he pretty much is reported, is my understanding. And again, I, I don't remember the exact quote. So I'll say generally that – this was before the draft. That Belichick was really high on Mac Jones. And assuming – and now the fact that it ended up being the case – that he got picked by him, it sounds like pretty good insight to me. So imagine being that high on him and literally him dropping to 14 when he could have went... Remember, he was a huge favorite to go at three, even on draft day. And the fact that he literally waited to 15 to get him when the alternative was a guy he cut this year, (laughs) I mean, it shows you he lives by his principles. He doesn't let a, a single season dictate that. And in, in the era of you know 24-hour news cycles, and we're tired of it three days later, Belichick's thinking about decades, he's thinking about careers, and that's why he's had the best career in the history of the NFL as a coach. Closing thoughts.
1: Yeah, and, and it's not like people didn't know that Bill Belichick liked Mac Jones. It was widely reported that he, he was a guy that he was interested in. So there was plenty of opportunity for teams to jump in front of him and take him. Bill Belichick played it cool and got his guy.
0: Well, yeah, plenty of opportunity, I agree. But that one at 14 was the most handled when he got that close. If I were the Jets, remember the Jets traded up, but they took a lineman, if I recall, if I were the Jets, I would have traded up taking Mac Jones and and have him and Wilson and then maybe auction him off to another team. But don't don't <laughs> trade him to Belichick. And you know what? I think Belichick would have respected it. Let's, <laughs> let's take our first break. When we come back, we're going to touch on a little NBA. And then we're going to touch on – AJ's had a take on Baker Mayfield. He's just been itching to get out there. We'll let him do it. All right, all
1: that and more coming up next. He's RJ Bell. I'm AJ Hoffman. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio.
0: Straight out of Vegas!
1: Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I disagree
0: with an I disagree with protocol. I'm RJ Bell. We are straight out of Vegas,
1: and I'm AJ Hoffman. In just a minute, we're going to take a look at the NBA. Something we don't always do on this show, but there's some interesting stuff going on there.
0: Well, listen, it's all about it's all about the time of the year. That's Once right. NFL's over. We do a lot of NBA, but I think it's it's you know not a ton of news stories in the NFL. So we're going to take about three or four minutes and, and see if Mackenzie can shine. NBA expert is what he had on his resume. I, you know, that's been hit or miss. But uh, how you feeling, McKenzie?
2: Feeling great. Did, okay. deep into the NBA all morning.
0: Is that right? Wow, yep. this is going to be good. You're lucky you're tuned in here. <laughs> this is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled in the last year plus. That's causing McKenzie's NBA action, no doubt. And second, I'd say it's you. Thank you for the support. McKenzie appreciates it. I do, too. Right, <laughs> you can listen on the iHeart Radio app. Just search for Straight Out of Vegas here in Vegas on the Strip. 68 degrees. Neon is chugging.
1: All right, RJ, let's take a look at the NBA. Where do you want to start?
0: Well, where does McKenzie want to start? But you know where I want to start is last night. Lakers covered a big number without LeBron. Obviously, Westbrook was one of the big stories of the off-season. One, Mackenzie, grade on a scale of A, B, C, (laughs) D, or F, no E, no pluses (laughs) or minuses. How smart, how savvy, how much you approve of the Westbrook signing now that you've got X, you know, what, about less than 15 games, but over 10 to assess it?
2: I got to give it a D. I think Russell Westbrook gives them a lot of, you know, high upside. He's still one of the top 20 players, 25 players in my opinion. But he doesn't really fit. You know, I mean, Anthony Davis is a well. How many games forward. does LeBron play? LeBron James has not played how uh, many games. Let me pull that up. I think four. Not many, right? Not many at all,
0: no. Okay. So how do we know how Westbrook's going to fit with LeBron? We don't.
2: I mean, that's a very good question. He didn't play well in the first game, but he hasn't played well oh, start the well, Oh, yeah, yeah. The
0: first game people ever play together, we should probably just lock it in. I mean, you know how well the Heat team that won multiple titles, how they did the first game, or the first, no, blown, I don't know, 25? Yep. So, I mean, historically, new teams start slow. New teams, as in key components, key uh, players on the team. But the, but the real... Uh, core guys that are going to make a difference when they're new, it takes a while. Now, I'm not saying there's not exceptions, but for the most part, in LeBron, we've got the specific history with him, you know, with that dream team, the big three in Milwaukee, not the dream team, but in in Miami. So, now that he's not even playing, I mean, where do you put LeBron in the ranking of the best players in the league at this point? It's
2: number nine, pretty close to where he was last year, and I've been lower on LeBron throughout his career, but he only has a 21 PR. He only played two games, actually. And that's just been dipping every year. The last five years, it hasn't really been talked about. But a while ago, I mean, could be he saves it all for the playoffs. Sometimes he doesn't even get there. But a while ago, he used to be number one, number two in the league. He's been outside of the top 10 in player efficiency rating the last couple of years. I don't feel like the market is completely, or at least public perception is completely caught up with the
0: reality. So that seemed like literally if you were talking about <sighs> who could it be that would have deserved that scorn? Uh, maybe Kevin Love? I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying he's the worst guy. I'm just saying he's a player that has a brand that, you know, maybe you could say, uh, you know, but, like, literally, I would make the following case. I am not a LeBron guy at all, right? But, my gosh, you got to be somewhere in reality is, other than Kareem, Lou Sender formerly, who – Has had a better career in regards to accumulated stats. Understanding Bill Russell and Jordan, and I've spent, I've alienated people with my love of Jordan. So we don't have to get into that because I agree, but we're not talking about that. We're saying if we're looking at like a Carl Malone type, how can you fill up the stat sheet game after game, year after year, decade after decade? Kareem and LeBron seem to tower above anyone else. Do you agree Agre- with that? One hundred percent, I would agree
2: with that. The question becomes: Is he prioritizing stat accumulation, stardom accumulation, at the expense of some of the greatest teams ever created? When Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, and LeBron were all put together, Jeff Van Gundy said they're going to win seventy games. We've never seen this kind of talent, but they didn't. They won fifty-five, and so they the won two won titles.
0: The two titles was a big disappointment to you. <laughs> it right. was. Yeah. Okay. And number two, let's assume for the sake of argument. This will be the last back and forth on this one. Let's assume for the sake of argument, you're right that you could say objectively, in this spot, in this spot, he hindered his chance to win a title by 10 percent because he did X, Y, and Z. How does that change? Let's agree that would lower him in esteem, but where does it lower him to? All time. He is most certainly a top seven player of all time. It's not even a debate. I think Could, I had him and Kobe 8-9 last time I did my official oh, list. Stop putting him in the okay. same breath as Kobe. We're going we're to suspend this segment. <laughs> I'm RJ Bell straight out of Vegas. Changing to the NFL. AJ, you have a take on uh, the Browns and Baker. Colin's going to like this. So uh, in LA, record this. Go ahead, AJ.
1: I think that we've seen enough now of Baker Mayfield to know Baker Mayfield is not a franchise quarterback. And they've paid, they've picked up the fifth-year option on him. He'll be there next year. Typically, this is the offseason where they would pay him real money if they were going to keep him. I think they would be making a huge mistake if they keep him because it would start to deteriorate the rest of this team around him, which is a really talented roster. And Baker Mayfield is not a guy who you can pay elite quarterback money and expect to win with. I I don't see how it can happen. If he can't win now, even at a – even at a level that they feel like they should have won to begin this season, even like a, a lock playoff team or a, a, maybe a, 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 a AFC championship team, if he can't do that with this roster, when the roster starts to fall apart around him after he gets paid real elite top-tier QB money, there's no way the Browns can win. I think the Browns have to make the tough decision and move on from this guy.
0: Okay, so I don't quite understand your take. Is okay. Your take is that they shouldn't pay Baker Mayfield like he's Patrick Mahomes.
1: They shouldn't pay Baker Mayfield like a top five quarterback. Okay. And you know how it is. It's not I mean, it's not about how great you are, it's about what year you come up and who the next guy in line is. Josh Allen's not Patrick Mahomes, well, but now he's paid it, like him.
0: It obviously is contingent upon you being in the top tier to be the sure. next in line. Right? Case Keenan wasn't the next in line. No. Yeah, so, uh, and you're saying Baker's not a top-five quarterback. How many people do you think think Baker is a top-five quarterback? Not many.
1: Uh, not many at all.
0: Okay, so I don't get what you're even saying. Maybe let's say it this way and see if you can agree. Maybe you've heard it before. Is you don't think it's possible for Baker Mayfield to be on the Browns and it be good for the Browns because for the amount of money that Baker would take, that even at that number, even if it was significantly less than top five, let's say 25 million, that is way below top I mean, top five now is 40 and above. Would you sign Baker for 25 million? No. Okay. And would you, so just gut instinct, where's your number to sign Baker if you're the Browns? 15? I think
1: t- I think twenty million, twenty-five million is, is probably about right, which makes him like a a, a top twenty-paid quarterback. You like you said, top five. And at the time, Jared Goff, when he got paid, was no one thought he was a top five quarterback. He got paid like one. Kirk Cousins, at the time, oh, whoa, no
0: whoa, one whoa, thought whoa, he was. Whoa, 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 whoa! Everyone thought, or almost everyone thought, Jared Goff was a top five quarterback. There was no uproar when when they made that signing. None. I'm not saying you might have had a different opinion. I don't know, but it doesn't even matter so much. It was a consensus. Well, it does matter if you were right about it. But the consensus opinion was that, that this was a fine signing. In fact, the boy genius is the one that wanted it, right? So I think McVeigh deserves a lot of negatives for that in hindsight, but do you recall it being a big controversial thing at the time?
1: I, I don't remember. Th- I certainly don't remember a time when Jared Goff was considered a top five quarterback in the league. No, I don't.
0: Okay, let me ask you a question. That's a very abstract way of stating any. Uh, who said it had to be top five? Was his contract top? Do you That's what I there- said. He was paid as a
1: top five guy okay, in the, then, at the time.
0: Then, you, then you're saying then there was a natural and, and logical backlash. Yes. Where was it?
1: What, no, what I'm saying is, when you, even if you're not a top five guy at the time, if it's your turn, you will get paid like a top five quarterback, like Jared Goff did, then like that's, Carson where was the Wentz backlash? did. Well, the backlash has been on the field.
0: I I don't understand what you're saying. Um I'm RJ. Yeah. We're sh- straight out of <laughs> Vegas. My my question is, you're saying that Jared Goff was a huge mistake, but when it happened it was not a majority opinion that it was a huge mistake.
1: That, well, that's also because Jared Goff had been to a Super Bowl, so there was
0: some hope. Okay, so the, the, people valued him accordingly. So, I suppose so. Okay, so I, I guess how is Goff an example here?
1: Because Goff is a guy who got paid like a top quarterback when he wasn't. But everyone you, thought he was. Uh, then not everyone did because I didn't. Oh, Maybe okay. you did everyone
0: that mattered.
1: Oh, okay. Well, all right then.
0: I mean, what I'm saying is, the people <laughs> writing the checks, the people writing the checks matter. The other
1: Everybody pe- who writes a check to their quarterbacks thinks that they're paying the right amount for the guy.
0: Exactly. And the question is, how good is the front office to think? Are they? Is this the kind of typical mistake they make, or is this? Uh, you know, is this a, a signing? Because who knows more about Golf? I mean, at the time, it was hard to say. You know who's wrong about Golf McVay? He doesn't know anything. Right. So I'm not saying you I mean, you're not afraid to go have an opinion against uh, the majority or even against logic itself. So I respect you that you can have those opinions unless it's against logic. But in general, the consensus was, hey, this is a fine signing. But the consensus
1: now is that Josh Allen's a fine signing. Do you agree with that fundamentally?
0: No, because I felt like they paid him as if his performance last year was a certain level in the future. And if it was, the contract was correct is if there's any uncertainty. And I think this year starts to show some of it though. He's played. Okay. I think they could have discounted some, but maybe that's just me always looking to find, you know, maybe what I'm saying, I think what I'm saying is logical, but if Josh Allen didn't, if he looked at him and said, Nope, I disagree. Now, what do you do? I mean, we saw it with Dak to some degree, right? Is Jerry Jones, who is one of the great businessmen in the NFL, by all accounts, has had more to do with the NFL success. I, I think it's fair to say that any owner, certainly in the top couple, he tried to play chicken with Dak. And all Dak did, a fourth round pick, was say, nah, 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 no, nah. And eventually Jerry said, yes. What do you want? Yes. So... Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe having some stand down or or standoff with Josh Allen, even though logically maybe it it should have been discounted 10%, wouldn't have worked. So they were smart not to do it. But at least as a businessman myself, I felt like Josh Allen. Would you agree Josh Allen was getting paid as if last year was the truth? Yes. And do you agree one year doesn't necessarily guarantee you that truth moving
1: forward? 100%.
0: So I think we agree on that one. The real question here is, where's the price that 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 would be good to sign Baker Mayfield? You're saying somewhere around 20. I find it to be an impossibility. He'll sign for 20. Uh, it that, is an
1: impossibility.
0: The, thus, you're making a very good point. Sifting through it all, which is there's no way for Baker to sign within the reason our understanding now of his expectations that the Browns either are going to make a bad deal if they sign them or they got to let them go. There's no way to make a good deal and sign them. The only way the Browns can make the right decision is let them go. To me, that's a very much bigger point than saying, oh, if if they sign them for top five money, they're making a mistake. Of course they are. Most people agree with that. But you're going further, and I think it's a compelling case, that anything over 20 – it's a mistake. He won't sign for that. Thus, he's got to go. Correct. All right. Let's see. I'll, if there's anything else about AJ's point that I want to clarify, I will. Be sure
1: to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas
0: weekdays at 6 p.m.
1: Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Fox Sports Radio. I'm AJ Hoffman. He's the voice of Vegas. RJ Bell.
0: Mr. Dan Byer, you have a moment. Yes. Do you were in LA when the Jared Goff signing happened? Right yes do you remember there being a majority uproar about it um no not not at that time no, no. because they were rolling you know you thought
1: that this was going to be their core for uh for a while him and Thank- todd Gurley. have a
0: good night yep. Dave. thanks guys all right <laughs> let's do this you've got a prop best bet don't you agent i do and you've been rolling in that
1: i've been doing pretty well yes sir
0: what's what's the record
1: uh, on Thursday night football, it's been seven and three, but I'm two and zero on Monday night football since I've started up that. So I think that's nine and three. That is nine and three overall. That's over
0: seventy <laughs> percent.
1: I, 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 the calculator's too far away, but I think you're right.
0: Okay, when we come back, we're gonna get AJ's best bet plus a little bit of insight from me on the game. I actually think that maybe there's a way to fade Belichick, which I rarely do. But maybe tonight. That's
1: coming up next. He's RJ Bell. I'm AJ Hoffman. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio.
0: Right out of Vegas!
1: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. Let's take a look at Thursday night football. The New England Patriots, seven-point favorites on the road against the Atlanta
0: Falcons. Okay, so uh, you see the markets ticked all the way up, A.J., or is there some six-and-a-halves out there?
1: There's still six-and-a-halves, six-and-a-half, seven. Every every book, it's six-and-a-half minus 15 right now is the consensus.
0: Which is pretty much right in between. And listen, this is the time to teach maybe— And this is about a 10 second lesson, but maybe the most important lesson in sports betting, which is you can't win if the better numbers out there reasonably to get and you don't get it. If you're a business that spends a lot of money on gas and across the street, the gas is four cents cheaper. You don't bother to look or don't bother to go over there. How are you going to compete? You can't compete laying seven when there's a six and a half out there and you can't compete taking six and a half if you could take seven. So nothing anyone says is going to be more important than that about gambling. I promise you. So focus, you know, and again, the catch 22 is you can't have 22 books, right? That's what pros maybe have, but it's a full-time job to keep them, maintain them, camouflage, et cetera. The threshold to me is three, if you if you're serious about winning, three is your minimum, and most of the time, if you have three, you're gonna get one the better number. It's it's unlikely that all three books are gonna be seven or all three books are gonna be six and a half. It could be, and obviously more helps. But if you got three now, if you're not serious about it, two is a lot better than one, because with one you're gonna get on the wrong side half the time, right? So that's a, a very powerful, important point that we stress, but we don't overdo it. But when it's six and a half and seven, this is the time to talk about it. Okay, I think this is a game that if you think about it, we and we've pioneered right here on straight out of Vegas the concept of it's not just Thursday night road games, and Mackenzie has the data here and he does the grinding work on it. But when it's a situation where it's not significant travel, which is defined as 850 miles, how do these Thursday night teams on the road, who everyone says, hey, the road team is 45% and you can't bet them, it's actually a breakdown based on mileage, McKenzie?
2: Yes, with less than 850 miles, road teams on Thursday night football, 50.3%, 65-64 ATS.
0: So actually better than random by a smidge. Yes. And if there is greater than 850 miles of travel, the road team? 41%.
2: 33 winners, 47 losers.
0: And the travel with the Patriots here is over 8,500? Yes. I'm sorry, 850. Okay. Correct. So what we're saying here is that this is a really tough spot for the Pats because of that. Short week, obviously. Now, why does the travel matter matter more? Because we only have three days to prepare The half a day it takes to travel is one-sixth of the time, right? If you have the full time to prepare, it's going to be half that much relative time. That's big. You've got a concept here, AJ, that you actually think that this could be a flat, forgetting travel, forgetting Thursday, flat spot for the Pats.
1: Yeah, and this is a game where the Pats come off their biggest domination of the entire season, thirty-eight point win over the Browns. The Falcons coming off their worst loss of the season, a forty-point loss. We've talked a lot about teams at some point have to take a breath. And winning at the Chargers, winning at the Panthers, beating the Browns, who were, you know, at the time considered to be basically their equal. Yeah. So now they've they've won four straight games. It seems like if there was a time to take a breath it would be this game with the Titans and the Bills coming up next. This seems like a game where you could see maybe a little bit of a letdown spot for the Patriots.
0: I think you're right mechanically. I'm just not sure with Belichick and and, and a rookie QB. But I would say I do lean Atlanta here, lean, especially a plus seven. Now, quickly, AJ, you've got a theory about, and I think this is one that a lot of people agree with, how does Belichick attack a defense or the offense like Atlanta's?
1: Well, uh, the, because Calvin Ridley's not there, they've, they've got an easy decision. What Belichick does better than everybody, you say it, makes you play left-handed, takes away your best weapon. Their best weapon by far now, their best offensive weapon is Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts, I would expect to have a lot of extra attention tonight, so they're going to have to get contributions from other guys besides him with no Ridley out there.
0: And that's a segue into your prop best bet, seven and two on Thursday night.
1: That's right, and I'm going to go with. Omadale Zacchaeus, over two and a half receptions. And like I said, we talk about taking away your best offensive weapon. They're going to take away Kyle Pitts. I prefer this receptions prop to the yardage because I think there could be some dinking and dunking until they try to take their big shot at Pitts, who really is their only deep threat at this point. So I'm going to go over two and a half receptions with Zacchaeus.
0: Quickly, 20 or 10 seconds, why not just go
1: under Pitts? The pits total has dropped from 68 and a half to 61 and a half. So I think people are onto that with Belichick, that they're going to limit their best guy. So that, that market's moved down. Zacchaeus, is, his numbers have stayed very clean across the board. All
0: right. Well, your record's good, my man. Good luck.
1: Thank you, good sir.
0: All right. Let's uh, say goodbye to the fans.
1: All right, RJ,
0: if you missed any
1: of today's show, including, <laughs> I think, uh, me, me getting hammered a little bit on my Baker Mayfield take and some great NBA stuff from McKinsey, you can check it all out at FoxSportsRadio.com. We're going to be back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 o'clock Vegas time.
0: And I'm not and sure pr- I'm not sure why you're lying about McKenzie stuff wasn't good. Tomorrow though, our favorite <laughs> segment of the week.
1: And we are straight out of Vegas, right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas!